hello. Welcome back. This is Octavia's Parables, our podcast where we are reading Octavia E. Butler's classical texts one chapter at a time. We are currently on Mind of My Mind, chapter six. This is book two of the Patternist series, which is the first series that she ever wrote. And I am your co-host, Adrian Marie Brown, and I'm here with the delightful and sometimes naughty. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> naughty. <laughs> I just figured it's true. It's true, it is. Toshi Regan is here, y'all. <laughs> In, In the house. house. <laughs> <laughs> Toshi, do you have any naughty news for the people? I don't have any naughty news, but <laughs> I should think about that. I mean... <laughs> It's out there. I see. <laughs> we, you know, we starting a new um, theatrical piece. I talked about this when I did the podcast with you and your sister. And I was going to do a yes. show around disco. And it's called um, You're Having Too Much Fun, So We Have to Kill You. And mm-hmm. uh, we start doing our first workshop for this this summer up at Wesleyan. So I'm pretty excited to just be in a circle with some wonderful creatives and start thinking about that. Oh, we're going to try to do Word Rock Sword 10 for the third year in a row, (laughs) trying to do 10. So we will see. But if so, we will be having our concert at Le Poison Rouge on September 17th. And, you know, we hope that with a lot of love and care for each other that we'll be able to gather. Mm, I hope so, too. I really do. Well, I am working on a musical ritual. I'm calling it a musical ritual because it's more about feelings than plots. And it's called To Feel a Thing. And it's going to be, there's going to be a preview of it at the shed in New York in this fall season. And then it'll be going up at OSF Ashland next year. And when it goes up in 2023, it'll also be live broadcast. So, I'm really excited for these songs to get into the world. And I also have some book projects coming up. The next one is Fables and Spells, which is collected new and old stories and poems. And it's very much my like witchy (laughs) declaration. This whole book is like the witchy way. And I'm doing an album to accompany that as well that I'm, I'm collaborating with the Bingsons on. So it's going to be music and fiction, good times yeah. all season long. You got to have like a sing-along in a forest or something when that comes out. I'm so down right? for it. I'm like, let's all just go sing to the moon. Yes. That's what we're supposed to be yeah. doing. <laughs> so that's that's news. And speaking of witchy wonders, here we are in chapter six. Yeah. Jump in anytime. It's a classic. It's... It's not that long in terms of pages, but it's it's long in terms of details. So I'm going to get down here. The actives are arriving. They are showing up. They don't have a choice. Here we go. Rachel shows up first. And Rachel is like, you know, she shouldn't just show up. She arrives. She's coming through. (laughs) She's not here for anything that's happening. Rachel is very, 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 very powerful. And she's 25 years old. She's about a foot taller than um, Mary. We get like a nice description of her. She's a black woman. She's darker than Mary. Uh, She intimidates 
Mary, just her physical presence and her energy. And Rachel was, as Mary had said, related to Emma. She was the daughter of Emma's most successful granddaughter, Catherine, a woman who could easily have outlived Emma if she had been had better control over her mental shielding. And you'll hear this thing about shielding come up in this story all the time, but that's the way that actors protect themselves, keep their thoughts to themselves, and also keep out the the noise of the world. And without the shielding, you just hear everything wherever you are. And um, remember earlier in the chapter when Mary was in the book, when Mary was walking around, she would get the headaches. She would start to hear noises. She wasn't able to protect herself sometimes. So this shielding is a big thing. And um, Catherine, Catherine uh, Davidson, she just simply decided to die at 39. And uh, many of these people who have these um, really strong healing gifts, but don't come with the ability to be able to shield themselves. They just make a decision that it's time for them to die. So Rachel just, she just comes through and she's got a lot of hot energy and Doro decides to just sit down and watch. He's just going to be a guy at the party. <laughs> and she comes in and she is just like, what, whoever you are, you know, whatever you're doing, you need to stop. And it's basically a fight. And Mary says her name, I'm Mary Larkin, you know, come and sit down. Rachel sits down and she's like, I'm an, I'm an active, I'm like you or not quite like you. I'm an experiment. And then she looks at Doro and she basically like says one of his, his experiments that got out of hand. So Doro is actually <laughs> surprised. Like, and I didn't think in Doro's mind, you know, Mary was going to be in charge and like kind of accept who and what she was. Um, even if Doro kind of created her situation, he's kind of like, you're the one they're coming to see. They're actually not coming to see him. So mm-hmm. Rachel's like, Doro. And then she's immediately relieved. Thank goodness you're here. You know, maybe Doro can make some sense out of this. And Doro wants to know what she did with Eli. And she said she just left him. And I love Doro because Doro wants to know where all his people are at all times. And like, he wants to understand what the situation is. So Doro's like, what about Eli? Like, where is he? And then also just note that Eli didn't get the call. So that shows you how how little he has uh, his ability is at this point anyway. So when Mary, I mean, when Rachel hears this like experiment, she's like, well, you know, <laughs> they die. And this this is when Doro does a lot of his experiments. You know, we've heard over and over again that they don't really survive. And she wants to know, she's like, it wouldn't have been, it would have been good if you hadn't dragged me into this. Like, Doro's doing something. Why did I get called into the thing? It's between the two of you. So why am I here? But Mary tells her to sit down and just, like, understand that she's going to be there for a minute. And she's like, how do you know my name? Because she says, Rachel, you just need to understand you're going to be here for a while. And she wants to know how she knows her yeah. name. And this is one thing. <laughs> she's thinks, like, baby, I know everything. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, I, I do. I knew more. I know more than your name. And she says, you told me this morning when this whole damn thing started, when it was supposed to be ending for me, suddenly Mary Mary seemed to sag. She looked more than tired, Dora thought. She looked like a little frightened. Dora had made her rest for a few hours before Rachel's arrival, but how much rest could she get thinking about what was in store for her 
thinking about it, but not knowing. And so she, Rachel wants to know how she knows all these things. And Mary has to tell her, well, I finished my transition this morning. And then as if that wasn't enough, the other thing was this pattern just sort of snapped into an existence. Suddenly I was holding 600 other actors in a way that I didn't understand holding them and calling them here. And so Rachel is like, there more people are coming. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, they're on their way. And she's like, do you want us here? And she's like, no, I don't. Like, I don't want you here, but, but you're going to be here. And right. Well, that was the first time. I don't know if this is for you, but that was the first time I understood that they didn't, they couldn't feel each other. Yeah. It's like they feel the call to her, yeah. but they're not feeling each other. They just feel. Married. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's it. You start to really get an understanding of the power level. And I kind of imagine Doro witnessing all of this because he doesn't really know. He doesn't have any abilities at all. You know, he's not, that's not his gift. And so it's like every second, every time Mary opens her mouth and says something she knows, it's another revelation. So, yeah, Mary can sense everybody. They can't sense each other and they can't sense Mary. They just are called. They can't read her brain, you know, nothing. So Dora was shocked by Mary's attitude. Like he's concerned Mm. that she's not taking, you know, a a stronger position in this conversation. And she's quite intimidated by Rachel. And so he asked Rachel, like, what was it like when you received the call? She says it was like getting hit with a club at first. And the noise, the mental static, like the worst moments of transition. Maybe I was picking up the last of Mary's transition. Then I was drawn here. There may have been words. I was only aware of images that let me see where I was going. So, you know, I think I missed this, like a little bit that Mary like sent them pictures and was like, you need to come to this specific place. Like, I think I, you know, and she, Rachel goes on to say that, you know, there was no choice. Like I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do anything else. And Doral says, well, you know, do now that you're here, do you think you could go if you wanted to? And she's like, I could, yes, but I wouldn't be very comfortable. At the airport, I realized that I was only a few miles away from her. I wanted that to be enough. I wanted to get to a hotel and wait until whoever was calling me got tired and gave up. I went to a hotel and I tried to register. My hand was shaking so much I couldn't write. She shrugged. I had to come here and now that I'm here, I have to stay at least until someone figures out a way to make your little experiment let me go. And uh, mm-hmm. so they're about to hook her up with a room so she can settle in. And before she is led upstairs by Mary to her bedroom, Doro lets Rachel know that Mary better not even catch a cold. And he's like, you mm-hmm. better not do anything to her. Um, and basically says, you know, you need to chill. And she says, all right, Doro, I won't hurt her. But get me out of this place. I feel like I'm wearing a damn leash. And that's what everybody, which is like Carl yes. and, and Rachel now say. And uh, Doro speaks to Mary and tells her to come back. And when she gets Rachel settled. And the reason why is because he wants to get Mary on track. Like he's like, she's never going to make it dealing with these actives if if she's intimidated about them, if she can't like, you know, be on, you know, basically top everybody. What he's like, what happened to you? And she's like, I guess I was nervous. And he's like, 
I know you were, but you can't let everybody know it. She's like, Doral, I saw them in my mind and they didn't scare me. I didn't feel a thing. I had to keep reminding myself that they were probably dangerous, that I should be careful. And even when I was reminding myself, I don't think I believed it. But, mm. but, and the but is she's afraid of Rachel. She's like, I sure am. Like, she just yeah. has all of these <laughs> abilities and I, you know. And I'm really, 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 really scared of her. So he starts to kind of try to train her up and get her like more focused. He doesn't want her to be like guessing about everybody. He's like, you need to read everyone. You need to know, you know, know their thoughts. Like you need to basically invade all of the privacy and find out who these people are. She is hesitant, but she, I think, is starting to get what needs to happen. And and if a person like, you know, she's navigating like these understandings of the ways that people can kill her so that like Rachel can use her healing ability to kill her. She knows yeah. that Carl probably could kill her. But what she has, you know, going is that she's the center of the pattern that they're attached to. And she will probably know before anybody does anything to her that that's what they're they're wanting to do. And Doral reminds her, you're at least as dangerous to Rachel as she is to you. Since you can read her thoughts through her shield, she won't be able to surprise you unless you're careless. So he's Mm -hmm. like, I don't want you to to kill people, but, you know, you have the power to defend yourself against these attacks. And they go on to talk about what Rachel's gifts are and how she is able to do what she does. And... He gives her, he ends up giving her a permission. And she's like, are you telling me it's all right for me to kill now when just a few hours ago you said, and he says, I know what I said and I still don't want anyone killed, but I'm gambling on you, Mary. If you survive among these people, I have a chance of winning. And she's like, winning your empire? Is there anybody whose life you wouldn't risk for your goddamn empire? And he says, no, you know. Like Doro is Doro and he's like, so he's basically giving her a permission that if she has to, to kill somebody, she can. What I've decided to do, said Doro, is give you the life of one of the actives if you need it. If you have to make an example of someone, I'll let you pass as long as you keep control of yourself and don't go beyond that one. This is Doro. You know, Doro has no problem with death. He also tells her to yeah. stop whining. Stop telling the actives that the one show of power you've given them, the one thing you've done that they can't resist or undo is my fault. And she's like, it is. He's like, of course it is. <laughs> and the moment they realize I'm here, they'll know it is. They don't, ha- they don't have to be told, especially when you're telling them. So he goes on and just is like, stop, stop whining. Stop, you know, having pity for yourself. You know, get it together and be the person that you are the head of the pattern, the pattern, the person who holds the pattern. So there were incidents as my actives straggled in. I had pried through their minds and gotten to know all of them except Rachel before I even met them. So none of them surprised me much. So Jan arrives and Jan gets beaten by Doro. Like he beats her for about 30 minutes. You know, she tried to run out the front door. All of the people who read Wild Seed, know that Doro does not like people running away from him. Makes him very angry. 
So she tried to run and, um, and she came back because she had no choice. She had to come back to be in the pattern. And when she came back, she got beaten very bad. And um, Rachel and Mary in particular didn't, you know, really have much uh, sympathy for her because she don't like black people. And they could tell, Mary, Mary could tell that she didn't. Yeah. And so they yeah. were like, okay, he beat her for 30 minutes. And everybody is understanding what's going on. And everybody understands how Doro's beatings can be. And Mary knew herself. She'd gotten in a beating from Dar- um, Doyle before, gotten into fights with him, physical fights with him. So Jan was in bed for three days, and Doral ordered Rachel not to help her. Rachel had enough to do anyway helping Jesse when he came in. He was the last to arrive because he wasted two days trying to fight the pattern. He became tired and, he, and you know, undone, and he finally came. I wrote a note, Jesse is not brilliant. <laughs> Nope. Because nope, nope, he is nope. not, you know, <laughs> not brilliant. So he comes in blasting, you know, you green-eyed bitch. I don't know how you drag me here, but you damn well better let me go fast. So, ha, 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 I wrote. So um, <laughs> she says, man, if you don't find something better to call me, I'm going to knock the rest of your teeth out. <laughs> so that's how it starts with Jesse. And, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, Mary is quick to pick up something to defend herself. So she picks up this uh, stone horse statue um, from the end of the table and tried to break his jaw with it because he was he was doing the most. And he's, you know, left him lying on the floor. So, yeah, Rachel had to do some healing on that situation. And she goes and gets Rachel and says, yeah, come down and, and help this man because I just had to knock his teeth out. Rachel, here's another example of her gift. She just touched his face. Suddenly, she was viewing the damage from the inside, first coming to understand it, then simultaneously healing. I couldn't find the words to describe how she did it. I could see. I could understand. I thought I could even show somebody else mentally, but I couldn't have talked about it. She was going over. So Mary is like actually feeling and sensing how how Rachel is healing, and this leads her to get a knife and cut herself. It hurt like hell. Anyway, I made a cut about three inches long, then threw the knife into the sink. I held my arm over the sink too because it started to bleed. I stopped the pain just to find out whether or not I could. It was easy. Then I let it hurt again. I wanted to feel everything I did in every way I could feel it. I stopped the bleeding. I closed my eyes and let the fingers of my right hand move over the wound. Somehow, that was better. I could concentrate my perception on the wound, view it from the inside without being distracted by what my eyes were seeing. My arm began to feel warm as I began healing it, and it grew warmer. It grew hot. It wasn't really an uncomfortable feeling, though, and I didn't try to shut it out. After a while, it cooled, and I could feel that my arm was completely healed. So, Mary can learn from people on the pattern and receive their gifts somehow. Mm. Really, 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 really incredible. Amazing. It's amazing. Also reminds me of how um, Lauren Alamina wanted to know what it was like to die and like went yes. outside and was like, well, if I kill a bird, what would that be like? If I kill a squirrel, exactly. like, you know. 
Octavia writes us one scientist after another. Yes, and Octavia is like, you need to learn what you can do. You need to practice, 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 practice before you get out there. Rachel uh, realizes that Mary has been snooping and learning from her. And so she says, oh, you've taken our mental privacy as well as our freedom. And then Mary says, it looks like I've given you something too. Let's see, freedom from the parasite need you feel so guilty about sometimes. If you weren't hiding behind Doral, I'd show you how much I appreciate your gift. (laughs) So no doubt. But Mary is like kind of supported Rachel's healing. So Rachel's capacity to heal is tied to her need to feed off of, of people, feed off of their energy. And so Mary feels like she's, you know, giving her a gift. Well, I, you know, took something, but I gave you something back. Rachel, of course, does not feel that way. Um, all mm-hmm. of the, the actors are arriving and they're, they're hooking up. Let's see. Seth, he started sleeping in Ada's room. And um, Jess, <laughs> Jesse went to Rachel's room. You know, I think Carl ends up kicking it with Jan a little bit and still has Vivian there. But Rachel has spread the word about her abilities to everyone and figured that, you know, that I was watching them and they didn't like it. So she almost never read anybody steadily when she was with them or talking to them. You know, I had to keep my attention on what they what they were saying and doing. But she she wasn't really trying to invade everybody, but she couldn't help it. She had to do what she had to do. She had to learn who they were, and nobody is nobody is happy with mm. her. Clay, Poor baby. we get to hear a little bit about Clay. Clay, Dana didn't need as much help from Seth as he had before he came to us. Um, you all remember Clay is Seth's brother. Uh, Clay seemed to be getting some benefit from the pattern, even though he wasn't a member of it, and that left Seth with more time for Ada. Everybody was settling in. They're now like one big unhappy family. It scared the hell out of them that maybe they were giving in the way ordinary people give in to them, that they were getting to be happy slaves like Carl's servants. Their fear made them fight harder than ever against me. I could understand their feelings, but that wasn't enough. I had to do something about them. I was fed up with hearing about them. I thought for a while, then went to talk to Doro. So Doro is, is still there. And yeah. she's like very, very, very dependent. She sees him scribbling something like some ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics in a notebook. She's like, you know, what are you going to do? Everybody's sitting around waiting for something that isn't going to happen, waiting for the pattern to just disappear. She says she wants to get them together and make them face the few facts, basically have a house meeting. And yeah, <laughs> and she wants them to have jobs and interests and goals, and she thinks they need to occupy their time and their space, and they can make their own jobs. It will give them less time to bitch at her. Rachel could have a church if she wanted. The others can look around, find what they want, and Doral's like, and they might stop screaming at you and might stop trying to lynch you, and she's like, yeah. He says, let Carl in on what you're going to do before you do it. Let him get get over some of his anger with you and um, and and be on your side so he can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she has a conversation with Carl. Y'all know Carl does, is, is mad at her. Carl's like, so we're here. We belong to you now. 
is that how it is? Like, is that how it's going to always be? He's furious. And she asked him for help. And he's like, Dora will back you up. He's all you need. He's putting me on my own. That's what she says. Dora's like, I'm going to leave. Carl is resistant. He's like, if, if hunger is what you feel, how can you avoid doing something about it eventually? You'll have to kill. And she's like, it's more like having an appetite, like, like being able to eat, but not really being hungry. So, so she's trying to explain like that killing is not the end result for her as it is with Doro. Um, Doro mm-hmm. has to kill people, but, but she's still in her human body. He's like, but you will get hungry. It seems to me that while we're here, we're your food supply. You're gathering people the way Doro does. It just isn't as much work for you as it is for him. And she says, yeah, I've been thinking things like that myself. That might be all wrong, but even if they aren't, I don't know what to do about it. Short of committing suicide, there is not much I can do. And she does not want to kill anybody. She's like, I, you know, I don't want anybody forcing me to change my mind because if I do, I'm not sure I'll be able to control myself. I might kill more of you than I mean to. She got up to leave and she says, Carl, I'm not asking you to make up your mind now or promise me anything. I just want you to know that there was a choice to make. And she starts to leave and he says, wait a minute. He says, you're closed, you're shielded all the time. I don't think you've unshielded once since you did it for me after your transition. Would you, if you were living with people who are trying to kill you. And he says, um, just do it for me, you know, right now. And he's like, because you need me and you need me to be on your side. And he has to see for himself. So she unshields for him. And she says, I was more worried about accidentally taking him than I was about what he might find out. I was a little touchier about his rummaging through my memories than I had been before, but I put up with it. He didn't go after anything more than verification of what I told him. That was all he cared about. All right, he said, I'll do what I can to help you. And he says, and help, heaven help both of us. Mm. A Mm. rocky Mm. road, a rocky road for Mary and the actives. That's the name of their band. (laughs) Rocky, rocky. Truly, truly, truly. All right. Wow. So I, yeah, just this coming together, this is all, it all feels significant to me. (laughs) I'm just like every single part of this. It's like my facilitation brain clicks on Mm. and I'm like, Ooh, nope, that's not the way. (laughs) But I also feel Mary's facilitation, you know, her attempt, like she's like, I want this to actually be chill, but she has zero of the skills that she would need for that outcome yet. So first question I have here, one of the things that we see throughout the books and particularly in this period is how often Doro can sense that something is going to be like a potentially troubling dynamic or that things are not go- they're not going to get along, mm-hmm. but he doesn't offer a warning because he's more curious about how things are going to play out. And so a question I have is how many of Doro's people die simply because he doesn't offer them the warning about what's coming and giving them any space to protect themselves and how that's one of the ways that those who hold power cause the most harm, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's just being like, oh, we can see what's coming or we can see what's going to happen, but we're not going to do adequate work. I don't know 
if this, this might be a leap too far and you can rein me in, but something about reading that, just being like, oh yeah, well, well let's just see what happens, feels so much like this COVID process to me yeah. of being like, oh, like there's this virus that is airborne and here it comes and here it still is. And we know like here are things we could do that like radically reduce the spread of it. But there just keeps being this like, eh, we're not going to like make the formal data move, you know, where it's just like everyone is <laughs> like, I don't know, there's just a, a seriousness that has not been, I don't think, held in the way the information moves out. So it's all very much like, you know, whatever you want to do, blah, blah, blah. And it's like that leaving people in the whatever you want to do, ignorant space to figure it out themselves, I think has led to so many more deaths than would have happened if if it had been like this is this is what we know and it's true. Yes. Yeah. No, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. You know, knowledge is is power and agency and it's almost yeah. like Dora wants to know first to be the person who is always on top and so one of the ways that he makes sure that happens is by, you know, making people, you know, walk into situations and you know, whoop, if you die while you're, you're trying to figure it out, you know, I yep. can't do that. I can't help you. I'll just you make know. a mark in my experimental notebook. Yeah. And the, <laughs> you know, it's just like, The COVID okay. thing is, is kind of amazing because we've gotten to see an arc of it so clearly. Like we see when, mm-hmm. you know, it started during the Trump administration. And so we see from the government position of information, of, of you know, interrupting healing, not supporting, yeah. you know, it's not supporting systems, even though people, if people didn't know what was going on, like you couldn't get supporting, couldn't get funding. I, I'll never forget when he stole the ventilators, like he told all the states they had to get the ventilators themselves and then he stole them. And then I, I remember when my doctor said, well, we learned, we didn't know what we were doing. And now once we started to know what we were doing, we were able to save more people and yes. use ventilators less, you know? So it just, just the whole arc of, information and everything as a tool to keep everyone unbalanced and to you know keep the panic energy in the air the chaos energy in the air exactly it's like i think you're right on that good i yeah i just i burns my head each time it comes up in these i'm just sort of like i hate that stop doing that to people and then you know, Mary's initial response basically to her leadership position is to pass the buck, right? It's like, oh, this is he, this is all on Doro. And I wonder why, you know, for our listeners, why do you think Mary does that? Like, why is that her instinct to pass that buck on? And does it feel familiar to you? Have you ever found yourself like, suddenly in leadership or unexpectedly in leadership or maybe just rapidly in leadership and then being like, hold up, um, it's the board. Or it's someone, you know, like trying mm-hmm. to figure out like who else that responsibility can pass to, sometimes correctly. I will say confessionally, this feels very familiar to me for the first few times I was in a leadership role where I was like, wait, who made me the adult in this scenario. That's highly irresponsible. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, let's blame whoever was here before. Like, hold on, you know, and or let's blame these systems. Like there's some system to blame because often too young. Like I think I the first time I was in a director role, I was like 
24, 25 or something. Yeah. So I literally remembered that feeling of like, I literally don't know how to do the job before me. And I thought there was going to be someone mentoring or teaching or guiding that. And actually I'm standing here by myself on this podium or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Do you, do you know that feeling? Yeah. I mean, I know it, especially being in theater um, and especially in this era, lots of people are being put in positions where they need to be in charge of things, where they haven't had the time to absorb like the stuff. And it makes like an interesting chaos because, you know, when you have something like theater, like everybody has an assignment and really has to do a certain thing to get something like built. And so it's not like a, you, know, yes. you, you can't be swirly with it. It's like, you know, where's the this? And then if that person didn't bring the this, like we don't have it. And if you don't have it, you can't do something. And <laughs> <laughs> we are this list, you know, and <laughs> this will not yeah, do. <laughs> where's, where's this, yes. you know, and, and the whole thing of like, oh, I don't have it. Yeah. I think it still happens as I've gotten like more experience in the different fields that I'm in more than like outwardly blaming someone now i i in my mind i go oh this didn't work because of this 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 and this and i can yeah. i can more see it and digest it um also yeah. when you're very powerful or when you're like a one when when you're exactly. like when you're you know like i always think about um oprah you know when oprah yeah. first i came on television she had a local show in the dc area i think she was in baltimore uh-huh. And there was a, a black woman who had a TV show, a long running TV show forever. And that show got like canceled. Yeah. And Oprah's show got So we were all mad when o- Oprah's mm-hmm. show came on because we were like, no, you know, they took the, the show that yeah. we all liked. And those early episodes of, of her show, like they, I mean, they were good and everything, but I am sure she was mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, you know? (laughs) Well, yes, people hate me. Yeah. Well, and I think there's like, I think there's, it's like, oh yeah, there's, there's always something before. Like, even if you're bringing something great, it's like, there's something Something that that preceded that. And I'm also thinking about how many times I have, I have done the same thing, like ceding the power to the collective when it was like, there's not a center yet, like, or there's not a a clear, like, here's how we're going to do things yet. And how often that has like, kind of backfired or boomeranged back into my mm-hmm. face where it's like, oh, I should have actually held it a little longer or like, or been more clear. Like, I feel like now at 43, in some ways, I'm finally learning to lead from my center, from my gut, from my heart, instead of being like, well, maybe like, what do you guys, you know, like how, you know, just being like, here's what it is. Yeah. This is the direction. And I used to be able to do it as a facilitator sometimes, you know, I'd be like, okay, y'all, I can see it all. I can synthesize it. But it's like honoring whatever powers you do have, honoring mm-hmm. whatever gifts you do have to be like the most useful thing to bring to this situation is a clear direction if you have it, if you can see it or if you can feel it. And so right now, Mary is like, I woke up like this. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like so brand new to Literally. This. And that brings me into my next question. It's amazing how fast all of this is moving. Yes. When in this chapter, I I felt a whiplash when she says, I just transitioned this morning. So it's like, wait, hold up. You already had the whole experience with Doro. You already had that. Carl went off and had a whole ass experience with Vivian. 
And then now these people are all arriving and that's a few hours of time. Um, It's so fast. And so I don't know if it's a question or an assignment, but just spend some time reflecting on the pace of change, Mm. right? Like when something new is coming into the world, when something new is being born, it's like there's a slow and a fast. So, you know, from Doro's perspective, this is a multi-century experimental process. It's been moving very slowly. But from Mary's experience, it's like in a morning, you know, in a week, everything in her life is different. Mm. Um, And just notice for you what changes in your life are feeling slow and which ones feel very, very fast. Mm. And where does control show up in all of that? I was talking with my, my friend Sonia Renee Taylor about this, that we're both like in these periods of massive change right now that actually took a long time to get to, but now it feels like everything's happening very, very rapidly. Mm-hmm. And it's like the river, you know, it's like, well, these are the rapids yeah. and there'll be slow times ahead yes. or there's a waterfall. Who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> so the next question I have here, what are we learning about the pattern in this chapter? Right? What are we learning about the pattern in this chapter? There's so much that's happening as they come into relationship with each other. So really just for yourself, observe. And always try to imagine yourself in the pattern and outside of it. Like try to put yourself in the shoes of, you know, Seth and Rachel and everyone. Like what does it feel like to actually have been sucked into it? What does it feel like to be one of the people who's like on the outside seeing this pattern emerging and the complaints, but the power, the complaints, but the power of it all, right? Where would you want to be? And then what, so Doro is really in a pivotal teaching mentorship moment here with Mary. He's dropping all the like gems for being a diabolical dictator, (laughs) you know, leader here. So So what does Doro teach Mary in this chapter, right? What are you learning alongside of Mary about using people, about transactional behavior, about wielding power over people, about privacy and the lack thereof? Like, just really notice, like, it's important to me, this behavior gets trained, right? Mm -hmm. It's not Mary's instinct. Her instinct is just like, hey, (laughs) We're all connected now. Let's figure that out. He's like, bombard each of their brains, suck up everything they know, protect yourself. You know, like, it's deep. It's deep. It is. It's it's also so interesting because I think between the two books, it's the time we get the most information about, like, if he was going to have a, you know, disciple or, you know, somebody that, you know. Yeah. It's the most. It's like usually he's just like throwing away a phrase. Well, just go and do this. Well, just do this. And, you know, it's like one or two words and a shrug and he's off, you know. But he he is like in this. He doesn't. He's like, this is what I've been building towards. Something different. And it's very interesting because it's like, I think it is one of the most challenging moments for a leader like I think what kind of leader you are gets revealed in that moment when someone who you have been mentoring or you have been developing or you have helped in some way starts to develop their own project, their mm-hmm. own network, their own thing. And do you relate to it as a threat? Do you relate to it as an extension of 
the work that you've done together as something totally other, right? And I've seen people respond in all the different ways. I feel like it's one of my practices to be like, yes. Like fundamentally, let me say yes. Mm -hmm. Like if it's going beyond my comprehension, yes. That's actually good news. That means I've probably done my job well. But I've also seen a lot of really bad responses to this where it's just like people end up beefing and splitting and just all kinds of stuff goes down there. So just tune in, paying attention there. And then skill set alert. Do you know how to generate a shield of protection Mm. around yourself? Right. This part, when I first read this book, I didn't know how to. I didn't know that was a thing you could do. And I since learned There's all these like amazing witches who are like, here's how you build protection around yourself, spiritual protection, energetic protection around yourself. And it's both this intangible work that you do, but it actually feels quite tangible. And the more I move out in the public sphere, I'm like, oh, it's so important that I have this. It helps me so much. And I can see it more and more clearly. I'm like, nope, this person is outside of that shield. This person I will let inside the shield. And and so I want our listeners to know both that it's possible <laughs> and to to question like do you have one in place because in this period of time i think we all need some level of ah i can put i can protect my vulnerability i can protect my mind yeah that that is this is the time for it this is really the time for it i think also yeah. there's one thing about the shield that's you know appealing especially like mary's shield that nobody can yeah but it's also like that she can um take a little bit of knowledge and not yes you know everything and i yeah. feel like i want to have that practice where i can take specific information and process yes. and move through yeah and not everything you know. Yeah. I mean, I even feel like I'm learning to do that in in like the social media mm-hmm. realm. When I look back at what I was posting like 10 years ago, it was like, here's every feeling that I'm having and why, you know, <laughs> I was like, here's everything that happened, all of it. And now I feel like I'm able to kind of sift through and be like, here's something I've learned and the feelings if they're if they're important to the lesson, you know, if, or if I need them shared, I can share them. The why I almost never, sh- you know, I'm like my private life is my private mm-hmm. life, and that's where I learn. But it's just interesting to notice that I'm like even that is part of the shielding yes. practice, right? As being like what you share with people makes you vulnerable, yeah. and so really choosing like, oh, what do I want to share about? my weakest places and how do I want to share about them in a way that still allows me to have protection? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you have like a little bit of space to, you know, absorb the things you need for any given minute or hour or day. And I, yeah, I make some decisions about like about that intake. Oh yeah. Which I think is like in these times also you know, closing a door because every, everything Mm -hmm. that, you know, especially on, on these devices, all of your searches, all of your looking, everything is a two-way conversation. Like something is happening. That's right. You know, and I do think our, our future is to be abundant in using our skill sets around those things to actually turn them off 
or manipulate um, the idea of what we're looking at and what we're not looking at. And yeah. to, you know, almost be as healthy and as strong as we can be in our own, like, really corner of the universe, which to yes, me is also right. a, a practice of shielding. Are you taking care of yourself? Are you are you being, yeah. being good to yourself? I love yeah. that. I love that. I mean, I think of the way I curate what I look at and what I listen mm-hmm. to. All of that is my shield. Yeah. I have... I tell people, you know, I'm like, you can talk to me about this and not that, mm-hmm. you know, I want a, a warning before people just be like, you, did you hear the last horrible thing? I'm like, Hey, ask me where I'm at. <laughs> you know, do you want to, do you want to know about the news right now? Cause I'm like, I might not have um, the capacity to take it on because my grief cup is so full, yeah. you know, that it'll blow me up. So it's not that I never take it in. But I think of that shield as a way to kind of dose myself with what I can handle also. And I see them all in this pattern doing that of figuring out, okay, we can access all minds. But, you know, in this, Doro is also reflecting on those people who come in the lineage of Mary who were not able to figure out how to shield themselves and ended up killing themselves, right? That they're like, it literally is too much and I can't handle it. And that feels like really important data for the empathic amongst us is like there are so many things happening and it can be really powerful to feel so much. But if we don't protect ourselves, it will overwhelm us and it will make it it's very hard. The more you know about everything humanity is going through concurrently, the harder it is not to fall into despair and to keep your eyes Mm -hmm. on what's the best of us and how do we generate more of that. So, yeah. It's intimate. (laughs) Yeah. Also how to like really hold that is happening. You know, and I think that's a, you know, also another Lauren Alamina skill set is, is that like all of these things are happening and you can become numb to them because they're too overwhelming to your system. And then you can't activate a state of being because you're so overwhelmed by like the truth of the environment that you're in. And, you know, the gift of parable and I think the gift of, you know, in all of these books, there's always, there's always this like point where it's like, no, you have to tell the truth about where you are. That's right. Like, and that's right. Somebody else has to know. Yeah. Some, you have to tell the truth about where you are to continue. And I like the way Mm. that Octavia makes that continuing, multifaceted, continuing in your lifespan, continuing after you're dead, continuing into the destiny, continuing in all of these ways. For me, once I really think about about continuing in that way, my fear lessens, it gets smaller and my expansiveness of possibility grows. Mm. I like Mm -hmm. that. So, My next question here, it's kind of a small moment in this chapter, but I wanted to shine a little light on it because I think it, it gives us clues on, on the pattern. Why do you think Mary is moved to protect and intervene for Jan, even though she can already sense Jan's racism, Mm -hmm. right? Like Jan walks in and it's immediately like Mary can feel and like sense this person is racist against me and Rachel, the black women who are standing here. And yet she's still moving to try to intervene on the ass whooping that Doro is is putting out. 
And what it, what do you think is that, right? Because Mary does love black people. We know this no, about, her. about her. And and here comes someone who doesn't love black people, and Mary still feels like, um, I want to protect that person. So just what is that? What do you think that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you mentioned this picking up on a pattern between Lauren Olamina and Mary in terms of their scholarship. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to also ask if people feel some echoes between Anyanwu, you know, Emma, and Mary in terms of their capacity to heal and to shape shift, to pick up skills. Mm-hmm. So as I was rereading this, the way that she, ta- you know, the way she's like, oh, I can see it. I can't quite explain it. Yeah. I sense it. Now I know it. And it feels very much like what happened when Anyanwu would consume the flesh of something yeah. and then know, ah, here's how I can become that. Here's how I can do what that thing can do. And just thinking about, you know, there's a world in which Mary never meets Emma. There's a world in which, right, mm. we never know the people that our powers are coming from, but the lineage still happens. You know, like Mary's power is rooted in Emma's power and in Doro's power, right? So really think about that for yourself. Are there capacities you have, small magics, strengths, powers that might come from certain ancestors and maybe do you know who those ancestors are or if you close your eyes and get soft could they speak to you Mm -hmm. right or are they speaking to you through the gift Mm -hmm. so just reflecting on that i found it really beautiful in this that just the pattern of of like ah this is how i learned to be more than one being and then what is octavia showing us about partnership and purpose as the group starts to land with each other Right, So they're all pairing off. They're sleeping together in these pairs. And Mary feels like it's really important that they have roles to play. Whatever their life was before this is null and void. It's They're now here. The community is forming. And there's a purpose. And they each need to have it. So just some reflection on what that means. Do you see that play out in your own communities? Does it feel like people can acknowledge how important it is to have partnership and purpose, intimacy and meaning? And then my last question, you know, we were talking about the shield and this last moment with Carl and Mary where he's like, just let me see enough, you know, I like to build trust with you. I just need to see a little mm-hmm. bit inside your head, behind your shield. And so it's very literal what she has to do to be like, okay, here's a little bit of trust, mm-hmm. right? I want our folks to think about how you extend trust to others. Mm. What is your process by which you let down your guard? Is it intentional? Are you able to intentionally be like, you know what? I'm going to show you a little bit more of me here. Right? I feel like for me, this is I'm excited about this because I feel like this has been the learning of this last decade is moving from being like a blurting out trust builder, or just like, I don't know, I'm just going to tell you everything <laughs> and see what happens, to now I feel like more discernment coming online where it's like, oh, I can know this and not have to share this, or I can share this much of this, or I can really choose who I share it with. This is what I wish school, <laughs> I wish school was like, 
here's how you learn to trust. Here's how you learn to communicate. Here's how you learn to build community. But since no one teaches us, often we have to figure it out by ourselves after having a couple of hard decades Mm -hmm. as adults. So Mm -hmm. how do you extend trust to others? All right. So that is our chapter six of Mind of My Mind. Octavius Parables is hosted by myself, Adrian Marie Brown, and the illustrious Toshi Regan. We are produced by Kat Aaron. Our show art is from an incredible artist named Krista Franklin. Look for her books. Uh, we're transcribed by Jess Pinkham and Sarah Rubens Breen. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Oparables or on Patreon.com at patreon.com slash oparables where you can support this ongoing work of scholarship and study and offering and transcribes for all of our episodes are live oh it's they live (laughs) i think i've been saying that wrong for the whole season transcripts for all of our episodes live at (laughs) readingoctavia.com I'm really smart, but I think it's really sweet because we is live. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we live. We live. Our transcripts are live. (sighs) Everything is live. And that's what's happening. Uh, Mm. Music for Octavia's Parables is You Don't Know the Time, written and performed by me. And the source song written by my mama, Bernice Johnson Regan, and performed by the Mm. cast of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower, Memorial Hall. Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Dreamy. We'll see you next time. Bye, y'all. A sower went out to sow her seed. A sower went out to sow her seed. A sower went out to sow her seed.